Hello and welcome back, listener, to Spirit Walker. This is episode four, and today I want to talk about a subject that doesn't get much light in modern day ministry. Many sermons today are about God's goodness, His faithfulness, and blessings, which are all important and good to think about in our lives. But there is another side to the matter that needs our attention, and that is demons and demonology. As explained in Ephesians chapter 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We must know our enemy and how to combat its ways. Understanding just a bit about how these spiritual beings operate can open our eyes to strategies they may be using or will use in our lives in the future. Let's talk about some facts on demons and demonology first to acquaint ourselves with this idea. We'll be right back. The origin of demons is highly debated and there are many theories behind them. One well-known theory that's a common belief among churchgoers is that they are the manifestation of the fallen angels who betrayed God and followed Lucifer, the devil, in the beginning. These fallen angels became inhabitants of hell, which was crafted for them. Yet there is no such story in the Bible about this. Some believe that they are the spirits of the passed away Nephilim, who are the giants in the Old Testament, offspring of the angels of God and women of the earth. The Nephilim can be found in Genesis 6, 1-4. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they choose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men were of old, the men of renown. This theory can make sense as to why some demons and princes of evils can withhold angels as described in Daniel with an angel of the Lord appears to him. Daniel chapter 10, 12 to 13 says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. This verse describes how this angel was withheld by the spirit of evil that presided over Persia. Say demons were of Nephilim, I'm not saying they are not. Would they hold similar strength as their fathers who were angels? I'd like to research this item further to give a clear answer. Maybe I'll dedicate an episode to it. Now demons' sole purpose is to do all uh, acts of evil they could and harm God in any way they could. But how can the enemy hurt God 
Well, they can't directly hurt God because that is not possible. God is too powerful for the enemy. However, the demons and creatures of evil can hurt God indirectly through us by trying to take away, kill, and destroy humans. They are hurting the one thing God loves and admires most, therefore hurting God. Demons still exist. They are not just from Jesus' time. They still exist and will thrive by hiding the fact that they exist. The longer they stay hidden, the better for them. Let me share a story or two with you. In 2012, a mother and three children, and her mother, who was the grandmother of the children, moved into a home in Gary, Indiana. The home was demon-possessed, and when they moved in, the family's ordeal began when swarms of flies appeared on their front porch and quickly escalated to mysterious thumps in the basement, muddy footprints on the carpet, to incidents of levitation. After midnight, Campo and Ammons both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing up the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and kitchen. No one was there. Even after they locked the door, the noise still continued. Cable said she one night woke and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leaped out of her room to investigate and found large and wet footprints. All kinds of manifestations happened in that home, the greatest of which was witnessed and recorded by nurses and medical professionals on official documents. On April 19, 2012, the family was visited family visited a hospital and were in the presence of nurses and doctors. They all stated they saw things they've never seen before while in that room. Chaos erupted when a demon possessed a member of the family, which then walked backwards towards the wall, then glided backwards up that wall to above her head, and then flipped over her and stood there. All the while, demonic voices were being hurled at the people. This was witnessed by nurses, social workers, and paramedics who all wrote it down in official reports. This was witnessed by nurses, social workers, and paramedics who all wrote it down in official reports. Some even ran out of the room. The official records constitute over eight hundred pages of what happened that day. Now when you begin to hear this and experience things like this yourself and a cold rushes over you, goosebumps begin to form all over your body and the hair on the back of your neck stands up, don't turn to professionals and doctors. Don't turn to professors, geniuses like Albert Einstein. For if he saw someone walk up a wall backwards, he would have to go back through all of his studies of physics and nature to figure out how something like this could occur. Turn to God, for he is the only one who can control those beings. He is the only one with authority over demons, Satan, and evil. And if he has authority, so can you. 
let me share with you the times I have encountered demonic experiences in my life, sometimes face to face. These experiences are not far and few between, but they're not talked about as much. I have a lot of families, uh, family members and friends who have had similar experiences. For about a year, I was visited every night to every other night by one or more demons. The most that appeared to me was 30 at once. They would try to taunt me, frighten me. The one demon even threatened and attempted to kill me. Every night, I would feel this coldness enter the room and gain a sense that something was out of place and was not supposed to be there. Then when I would see the demon appear, as they would lurk around the edges of my room, few ever reached my bedside. These creatures came in all shapes and sizes, different in their own ways. I do not believe I saw a distorted film of demons disguising themselves as something else, for they look similar to those I've seen in hell. Scared and rotten, black and brown tissue, eyes of yellow, black, and other unnatural coloration. Some would have more distinct features like long claws, wide and brute bodies, thorns and horns protruding from their non-symmetrical skulls. More pronounced and powerful demons seemed to have clothing to them, but it was nothing other than rags and cloth. Nothing about demons reflects the natural world. They are the opposite. They are decay. They are disorder. They are the physical manifestation of evil and are made of it. Take God, think of the opposite. That is what demons are. Every time they would show themselves, I would begin to be by displaying my authority in Christ and subduing the creature. I would then command it to leave me and my home to never return and to never harm my family again. If stubborn, I would usually call fire upon it, casting heavenly fire hotter than that of witch in hell. No demon of any power or stature could withstand the authority and power of God. After a while, I began to develop an ear to them. What I mean by this is I began to hear them, and then I could speak back to them. I would ask who they were and what they do. I would listen for any information that I could attack or take advantage of. I could conversate and belittle the demon, for most demons will talk themselves up more than what they actually are. They are naturally deceptive. There was even one situation where the Lord allowed me to strip away a demon's powers and send it back to hell with nothing but itself. If I could describe it, it was like ripping off layers of clothing from the demon, and every time a power was ripped from it, the smaller in stature it became until it was frail, as if it was just skin and bone even though it was spirit. That demon crawled back to hell, shaking and trembling at the Lord, continually watching over his back at the Lord. The one experience where the one demon tried to kill me I'll go off this off of memory. It was one. It was in that year. It was one of those nights I was laying in bed and got that feeling, except it was a little stronger than most. And I saw it. It was standing 
near my brother's bedside. And remember how I said they would usually lurk around the edges of my room? Well, this one was different. It got closer. It had this look in its eye that I somehow recognized. It had this murderous spirit to it. It had this anger to it. It did not seem to fear me or show its fear to me. And so I had to assert who I was and God. I sat up, asked who it was and what it was doing, and it says, I am this. I do not remember its name. I may have written it down somewhere, but I do remember it saying that it was going to kill me. And at first I laughed because I know the protection and power that God has and that he couldn't even lay a finger on me. And so what I did, I was like, go right ahead, you can't do it. There's nothing you can do to harm me, for I am a child of God, he abides in me. The demon then just leaped on me with these long claws and tried to rip out my chest. But at that moment, I could see my guardian angel throw himself upon me. He took every bit of that attack onto himself. I did explain a little bit of this in my last podcast, but I would like to reiterate it to show the differences in the spiritual world and the spiritual battles that are going on. He did not kill me, of course, because I'm here today nor did he harm me in any way. They say once you know God, you know the devil too. For when you begin to believe in God, the evil one knows how much of a threat you really are. Demons and the devil know you. Yes, they know everything about you that there is to know. They know your family, habits, beliefs, the thing you love. They cannot know your thoughts since they're not omniscient like God. That is all-knowing. But they probably have been around humans enough and know enough about your tendencies to infer what they may be. There are many types of demons and evil spirits. There are spirits of lust who cannot help but strive for spiritually unhealthy satisfactions like money, possessions, sexual pleasures. There are spirits of anger who can't help but throw fits of rage, use foul language, and refuse to be tamed. Spirits of lying, murderous spirits, and many more. If we look to the New Testament, there is a story of a man possessed with many demons like these. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Mark 5, 3-5 The good news for us as believers is that we cannot be possessed by any of these demons. By ourselves, we are weak and they can overcome us, but with God, we can overcome them. We are forever and completely protected by God, for he lives in us, 
even without our knowledge. But for those who don't believe, they are the most at risk. Nothing is holding these spirits and demons back from entering a person who is an unbeliever. Matthew 12, 43-45 describes it as, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Since God is not inhabiting their hearts, that space is open to any demonic being, big and small. There's also nothing an unbeliever can do to stop from being possessed. I mean, we have all sinned consciously in our lives and entertained thoughts of evil. Children are not free from this either, even though they may not understand the concepts of sin. Generational curses and sins of their parents, grandparents, and so on can affect them. Generational curses can vary, and there are many types of them. Murder, sexual immorality, and others can have such a big effect they ripple across generations. These open spiritual doors that allow these spirits to enter. Small things like lying and being dishonest to adultery, alcoholism, murder, all open invitations for those spirits to make home in you. Now I briefly explained how demons don't like to make themselves known often. They work in the shadows and will try to destroy people's lives without them knowing. Demonic activity can be as simple as you not being able to control yourself and desires, or it can be the wedge between you and your spouse. The devil hates marriage, and he will do anything he can destroy, anything he can do to destroy the covenant between a man and a woman. Demons can also use suggestive thoughts to provoke you into sinning and doing evil. We look at these bad and evil thoughts and just point back to our imagination, not even thinking about the fact that they are evil and from evil spirits. It is important for us as believers to understand these tactics so we can combat them. These are just a few ways the evil one can work undetected. We are not completely vulnerable to these spirits of darkness, however. The Lord is our protector, and when he abides in us, we can gain access to his authority and power. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he and God. So we have come to know and to believe that love, the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 1 John 4, 15 through 16. With God in our hearts, we are filled with this light, which no darkness can overcome. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. So we can stand with no fear against these forces of evil that try to dim our light now, knowing the true power and glory of God. And for those of you who are listening who either don't believe in God or feel as if you're not close to Him, fear not of these beings, for all you have to do is admit your sins. 
Believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and is Lord and commit your life to him. Do not be foolish and thinking you will be fine since you have been okay so far. Now that you have heard the truth, evil which hates all that is true will see you as more of a threat. Think carefully of your decision, but know that with God there is protection. There is new life. There is a way off this earth. Nothing else can promise you that. There is no other way off this world but through Him, who is Christ the Lord Jesus.